Uh, I'm Dave Benson. I'm the CEO of Super Quick Question. So what inspired you to create Super Quick Question? I was working at IBM, um, which is a great place to work, but the pace of conversation was a little bit too slow for me. I had come from sports media and where everything goes much quicker. Um, just fast conversations, fast work, fast timelines. And then I got to IBM and every conversation was like a half hour long. So, you know, everybody there's smart and great and good to work with. So when I started trying to have faster meetings, nobody really resisted that much. Um, but it was one of those things too, that was born pre-pandemic uh, where I was just trying to kind of improve my own quality of life and then realize that I was kind of improving, helping others to improve their qualities of life at work uh, as well by reducing the number of meetings, reducing the duration of meetings, increasing connections, um, and just kind of helping out it, uh, that way. The original tagline for the company was saving good people from bad meetings. And I, what I used to do is I would rather than wait for a, you know, a week to talk to Michael, let's say for a half an hour about something I needed an answer on, I would just send you a Slack and say, look, it's 1103. I can come by your desk right now and we'll be done by 1105. And I was always true to my word. I would always take a minute. I'd say I'd take a minute and I would actually take a minute. And it got to the point where everybody was saying yes to me because it's really difficult to turn down a minute. Um, even so much so that I would walk by the, the glass conference rooms that would be have a full meeting and I would have my computer open and I would point to the person that I needed and I would go like this and they would stop the meeting. And, you know, that only happened a couple of times, but they'd have me come in because they knew I was only going to take a minute. So it's like the cost benefit of talking to me for a minute meant you got to cancel a half hour with me later. And plus, I would carry on with my life and business for the for the time between that one minute and uh, and the upcoming half an hour that would ever be. That is huge because I remember being in meetings for an hour and it should take two minutes. Yeah, that's and that's everybody. You know, it's a joke now, right? It's been memefied that it's like this could have been an email and stuff like that. But it's true. Like and and some meetings are necessary. Some emails are better as emails, but some conversations are just like. Can I pop by your desk? Can I can I just talk to you for a second? And a lot of things can really be achieved in a minute. The Gettysburg Address was like two and a half minutes long, right? So if we take a lesson in brevity from that, you can really achieve a lot in 60 seconds if you try. Uh, but yeah, we pivoted, as, as I'm sure you know, we were strictly for business efficiency. And we, st we, still, we still do do that. We started getting a lot of traction in fan engagement. So if you think of quick interactions outside of the world of business, the ones that have the biggest impact are like, I met Ariana Grande for 30 seconds and it was amazing, right? Or like I bumped into Bill Clinton on my way to a softball game, which I did. And I had like less than a minute long conversation with him. You know, I rode in an elevator with my hero or Carl Sagan talked to me for a second, whatever it is, you can you can impart a lot of uh, information and impact in, in 60 seconds. So now we are focusing really hard on the sports and entertainment space, allowing fans to talk to their heroes uh, for a live one minute conversation. When I was researching you, I saw you're a storyteller at heart. And how is it, you know, including the fans into their, their heroes story? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's a quest that's as old as anything else. Right. You always want to meet somebody, get just a piece of their time. So you've got people who collect autographs and now those have been replaced by NFTs or selfies. 
but it really is all about the moment and making the moment momentous, right? And memorable. Um, so you can be a lifelong fan of the Mets or the Yankees or whatever it may be, but the moments that you remember are the brief interactions that are genuine and one-on-one. -on -one. And those are really difficult to come by now because if your computer is anything like mine, you've got 15 tabs open and you've got your phone and you've got the world outside your window behind you there. So we are re our, our attention spans are so fractured that these one-on-one -on -one moments, you and I right now, I'm focusing all the way on you, you're focusing all the way on me, that's rare, right? Yeah. It just doesn't happen anymore. So if you can get that with somebody who's a luminary or somebody who is an academic or a celebrity or whatever it may be, you know for that one moment. You're like, that's why people want, when they buy books from the author, it means a lot more when they write their name in it because it's like, that author was thinking about me, even if it was just for a couple of seconds, that author knows my name enough to write it in the book, right? And and even to be able to say, I spoke to this author and my grandmother grew up around the corner, whatever it is, these commonalities and these moments of connection, they're really, really impactful and they can really go a long way well beyond the cost of the 60 seconds. Well, I was watching uh, one of the segments you have with Lois Cook of the DC Divas women's football team and just people talking to her did you expect to see not only the interaction, but, you know, the positively positivity of, you know, equality and all that? Yeah. So Michael, that's a great question. And it's one of those things that the expectations that we had, um, they've been exceeded in a lot of ways because we didn't realize the, the kindness and the genuineness that was going to come as a result of these interactions. So, you know, social media is, generally a terrible place, right? And the anonymity breeds bravery and bravery of cruelty, right? So you can say, you're terrible, I hope you get traded or any other number of terrible things that didn't used to exist when you had to say it to somebody's face. Um, and the people who do those bad things tend to be much less brave in the sunlight. So when you're looking straight at somebody's face, it tends, you tend to not want to have that kind of interaction. It just doesn't happen. So the flip side is you get these wonderful, wonderful engagements, like the one that you're talking about, where these little girls who are like, maybe I can be a football player when I grow up. For those who don't know, the DC Divas are our professional football team, American football team. So this girl, maybe she will, maybe she won't. But now that she's had that interaction with a, with a woman professional football player, She's saying, oh, my gosh, that changes things. We had we had a bunch of interactions with um, Wrexham, Wrexham uh, AFC, the, the soccer team that Ryan Reynolds and Ron McElhaney bought. And we were surprised by the number of kids that were joining. We just assumed it was going to be like the season ticket holders. But these kids are joining and they're talking to the team captain. One kid said, I'm no good at throw-ins. And it's a thing where it's like that you wouldn't get this interaction at a press conference right. or on a Zoom or on an Instagram live. Because you've got, it's one to many, right? But it's one to one. Again, the analogy is you're riding in an elevator. This kid says, hey, I'm lousy at throw-ins. What do I do? And he, he, the captain of the team, he goes, he's like, I got you. Here, here's what you do. He's like, you, you, you grip it like this. You do drills against the side of your garage. Just do it over and over. It makes sure you hit the same spot and catch it. He's like, and you practice and you'll be awesome. And it was great. And it took, you know, he said it a little bit more slowly than that and went into a little bit more detail. But now this kid, I assume, is on the road to being awesome at throw-ins. And who knows, right? Those moments can can divert somebody's life in a really good way 
where they just say, you know, this is the impact they had on me. And, and uh, it's, it's fun to see. So like uh, Wrexham, and then I saw uh, you're partnering up with uh, the Wizards and a lot of teams like that. Did you ever think it was going to be like uh, working with all these teams uh, this quickly? No, absolutely not. I mean, so I come from sports media. My uh, my COO, Mike, also comes from sports media. Like we we're both at Bleacher Report and uh, and ESPN and just our whole lives been big sports fans. This didn't start as a sports thing. Um, but, you know, sports is the great kind of unifier, right? Like love of sports transcends everything, just like love of music and art and all those things. But um, yeah, now that we're working with these teams, it's just so much fun because these are the connections that, we've always hoped for in, in all of our lives, right? You're sitting at a baseball game. You always want to catch a foul ball. Yeah. Because you need a baseball. It's because for that one moment, you were, you had something in common with whoever hit it, right? Like guy hits a home run and, and points at you or whatever, like the, those things don't really happen, but just to have those moments are, are really um, special. So it's cool for us now that we're not so much a part of the moment, but we're facilitating them and we're getting all these great notes from the parents and the fans and the kids and all these things saying, you know, we have a little survey at the end and they're just, they're just awesome to read. Like, you, you know, these, Mike and I always, when, when we're talking to people about the product, we talked about how occasionally you will be lucky in your life to run into somebody who's a celebrity. You know, there was a famous picture years ago of a kid in Omaha sitting on a park bench with Paul McCartney and Warren Buffett. And it was like the kid just happened upon them and took this, the best selfie in the world ever. <laughs> And it's like, that doesn't happen, right? Like you don't, you, you can be a sports fan your whole life and never get to have contact with the heroes. You know, my brother and I used to write letters to our favorite baseball players and hopefully get back a signed picture, which who knows if they signed it or not, but like that was our closest thing. And now it's like, th this is irrefutable, one-on-one -on -one genuine connection where you have a moment with that person and, 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 you know, kind of nothing can be more personal than that. Yeah. How does it feel for you to make these connections happen? It's so, I mean, it's extremely gratifying, you know, look, it's, it's a business, right? We, we didn't go into it to, to feel good all the time, but that's definitely a benefit. We get, we got a really nice note. We did a Santa Claus event just as a test recently so super quick Santa, right? So it's anything, it's like sitting on Santa's lap at the mall, but it's safer and easier <laughs> and quicker, right? There's none of that downtime where the elves have to corral you in and back and whatever. It's just like, have you been good? Okay, what do you want? Merry Christmas and all that great stuff. And we got a note afterward from this kid who, this adorable kid was head to toe Batman stuff. And his mother uh, wrote us a note and said, she says, God bless super quick question. My son has epilepsy. He's never been able to meet Santa Claus because there are too many stimuli in shopping malls and other mm -hmm. places where Santa Claus is. The real Santa Claus, of course. And so she wrote this really nice note. She said, you've made his Christmas. You've made his year. You know, it's wonderful. So, so that was just another thing where we're like, we didn't set out to do that. We're like, awesome. This kid got to talk to Santa Claus and he wouldn't have otherwise. So, you know, that's just like another fun use case. So now we think of, kids with autism, right? Uh, the other other use cases where this is this is a thing. Where do you want to see the organization in the next three to five years? We're, so we're in the middle of a fundraising round right now. We're a small company, right? We're a genuine startup. There's four of us. Um, and only two of us are actually doing the selling. 
and we can't go, we can't be in enough places at once, right? Um, so once we raise our funds, we're going to have a bunch more sellers going out there and, and spreading the word. And we want to try, there are so many verticals, Michael, like it's such a good question. Like we're, music is next. We're, we're hitting music pretty heavy once we do sports. I mean, sports is everywhere, right? So we're going to do sports all over the world. We're already in France and Monaco and, and Mexico and the US and the UK, and, and we're going to go everywhere else. Music, then academia. We tried a couple of things out with college professors to do office hours with their students. Faith, daily prayers, uh, you know, and then um, we've also, we also have never really shied away from the business efficiency model where it's like office hours for bosses, right? Where we have uh, a CEO using it right now every Friday. He calls it Feedback Friday. He says, anybody who wants to talk to me, you got a question, hop on. I've got a minute for you for sure, rather than waiting for your quarterly or annual check-in. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just, we learn about new use cases for it all the time. And um, we're just happy to to have these conversations with smart people who are looking to to solve for a problem to see if we, if we might be a part of the solution. I was also uh, watching the Ric Flair one. I'm a giant wrestling fan, yeah. and to see the fans, you know, laugh and smile with Ric Flair, you could tell that connection was huge. You know, it's it's funny you say that. It, it very much was, and he's a special guy, right? He's somebody that everybody who meets him, he's just, he, he has a huge impact. So he can't, how many people can he actually meet, right? So then you, right. you do super question and then suddenly he's met 40 people in 50 minutes and each of those people has got their own story and forever and ever, they will be like, I had this awesome conversation with Ric Flair. And, you know, talking about wrestling, one of the moments that definitely contributed to, to my coming up with this whole thing was um, I was for work at a Comic-Con here in New York and I saw that the lines for the wrestlers were so long and not even like the current wrestlers, you know, it was like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and and Ted DiBiase, you know, and then Mankind, the line, the, the, his, Mitch McFoley, his line was ridiculous, right? There was a sign that said, you were 90 minutes away from the front of the line and there were people stretched way the heck back. And these were moments they had to pay. Everybody who meets these wrestlers, 20 bucks, 30 bucks for a selfie, whatever it may be. Hacksaw Jim Duggan was, was signing and selling two by fours, of course. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it was an interesting thing because it's like this, the, these people came for that. I'm going to stand in line all day and I'm going to fork over however much money just so that I've got this one minute and it is a minute, right? Cause these guys have, have got handlers that move people along yeah. so they can get through the line. I'm like, so these, these moments have impact, but it, it shouldn't be just if you have money or just if you happen to be in the city that has comic con, or just if you happen to be in a position to spend all day waiting in line, we're trying to make it more accessible. Um, and, and that was kind of one of the things that was the impetus for this whole thing. I was just like, maybe it would be nice if the fans don't pay. Um, because in our model, the fans don't pay. It's a sponsorship-driven model, right? So if it was, so Ric Flair would be sponsored by X brand. Yeah. And then the fans win a contest or their VIPs or, you know, whatever it may be. But I think the idea of the fans not paying also contributes to the genuineness of it, as opposed to other platforms where you can buy a recorded message. There's a time and place for that. And that's a, a lovely thing to do as well. 
This is different because it's a conversation and it's much more like that interaction. We noticed all the interactions that they were having with these wrestlers at Comic-Con. Yes, I want to take a selfie with you, but also, you know, I heard people saying like, oh, you were from this neighborhood. My mother grew up in this neighborhood. Nice. You have a little commonality. And then it goes on and on and on. And then, and then, you know, the next person, the next person. So you just want to have that one, that one connection. And that's kind of, that, that's kind of the basis of the whole thing for us.